0: Scripture this morning is Psalm 23. Let's read it together. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod Well, I'm very happy to be with you today, and I'm very grateful for your presence as well. We've had beautiful singing, and uh, thank you, Jonathan, for leading us in such a fine way and the very fine prayers, very scriptural prayers, very fervent prayers. We're thankful for that, and, and for all who've read the scripture and, and for the waiting on the table, I just appreciate so much the very fine way that these men lead us in our worship Not only today, but every time that we come together. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today and encourage you to be with us again tonight at 6 o'clock where we'll be studying important matters coming from the Word of God. Nat uh, and I had talked about what we should talk about today. Today's sort of a a special moment after services where we honor our graduating seniors. We're very grateful for them and very proud of them in a Christian way. And I know that. You as parents and relatives are very proud of these fine young people. Not only the ones that are graduating and contemplating uh, graduation, but also all of our young people. We have such a fine group of young men and women uh, that we've come to love and respect so much. And Nat and I were talking about this. Should we not spend some special moment today talking about uh, something from the pages of the Bible that will really help And really focus them in the right direction. And I thought about different subjects and different topics that we could consider. And I thought of this 23rd Psalm and I thought, you know, this is the most popular passage in all the Bible. Everybody knows this. But I just don't know if we appreciate uh, the focus that it gives and the priority that it encourages us to have in our life. And if I had some advice to give graduating seniors and young people that are matriculating through their coursework and their curriculum, I don't think anything of a personal nature would be of value, but a passage like this would be a treasure trove for each to consider. And so I wanted to spend a moment talking about Psalm 23, a Bible passage you're very familiar with, but one that I think has advice. To you as a graduating senior, so I took it upon myself to call it a psalm for seniors. But, you know, the Bible transcends time. It does transcend age. It transcends gender. transcends nationality. And it's not just a psalm for young people who are going to march down the aisle and graduate, but it's also a psalm for older people, like myself who need the direction and the guidance that the word of god has to offer. And so the bible not only in psalm 23 is a focus for young people and young adults but it's a focus for those who are of us and those of us who are older as well. We need it. We need the truths expressed in this great passage. And even though we've read it so many times and you may have even memorized it, I want to spend uh, some time with a couple of points That I think we need to carry away. And if you're a young person ready to graduate. And you're facing this big step in life. It would be a big help to you. An immense help to you. If you consider carefully what this psalm is saying. Mother listened to her little playing. And she was playing church. And she was singing the hymn. Only she said it, trust and okay. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and okay. And even though she misquoted the song that we've come to love so much, she got it right. It's when we trust God, we're going to be okay. That's what the great prophet in chapter 12 and verse 2. That when I put my trust in God, I do not need to be afraid. Jeremiah, the great prophet of old, Jeremiah 17 and 7, got it right. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. What basically he's saying there is trust and okay. And even though that springs from the sentiments of a song, still it certainly touches our heart and it tells us what we really need. Because that's where our real problem is. Our real problem is humbling ourselves enough that we can trust and turn our lives over to God and let Him lead, guide, direct, and instruct us in the way that we should go. Because we don't want to do that. As human beings, we want to do that all on our own. We decide what to do. We decide what not to do. And we will handle whatever the future has to offer. But we're filled with fear and we're filled with anxiety, and we really don't know which way to go. Therefore, let's trust, and it's okay. And Psalm 23 is giving us two great reasons for doing that. And the first one's in verse 1. I shall not want. Did you notice when the 23 that two negative statements were made? Negative in content, but yet very positive in concept. The first one is given in verse 1. The second given in verse 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. So there's something that I should not do, should not be, should not have. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. A negative type of statement, but yet rather positive in concept. And it's these two concepts, these two statements that I want to focus on. And I want to look at just how we can utilize this in our life. And by doing that, it doesn't matter what the problem might be, whether it's domestic challenges that I face, or whether it's vocational difficulties that I'm confronting, I can handle those matters without fear, without trepidation, without problems, without anxiety. Because I trust. And that's OK. I trust God. He's going to take care. Now which one of us raise your hand here which one of us have never worried in life? Raise your hand. I'd like to see you. We have a very fine assembly here, and it's universal. All of us worry. All of us are filled with anxiety. Somebody said worry is like a treadmill. It gives us something to do. And it gets us all worked up. But we don't get anywhere. That's about what worry is, isn't it? When this Old Testament psalm says, He's saying, I will not be in need. It's okay to trust God. Somebody asked the farmer, How is it that you live such a contented life? You've worked hard all your life as a farmer. The farmer came back and he said, Well, when I work, I work hard. And when I sit, I sit easy. And when I worry, I sleep. That's the way it is. It's the way it ought to be. We ought not to worry. We ought not to be filled with fear. Because it's okay to trust God. You'll put your trust in a lot of things not be the things you need to trust in but the one thing that you do need to trust in and that's God almighty and he gives you three reasons for it he cares for me physically the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures now for him to talk about the fact to have him lay down in green pastures is to say that God is caring for me physically as a shepherd Out on Judean hillsides, David would look out upon the sheep. Being a very sensitive young man, filled with the desire to love God and to do God's word, he looks out on the sheep and he makes a comparison with the sheep and how they act and with his life. And one of the things he's saying is, when I put my trust in God, then he's going to provide the green pastures. Now, I don't know much about raising sheep. I never raised any sheep. We were more cattlemen where I grew up. And sheep growers and cattlemen never got along. And we didn't get along. And I still don't like them too much even to this day. But the point is made in the pages of the book sheep. And that we need the green pastures. Can you imagine what it would be like in a hot, dry, arid land where nomads are herding sheep? But there's a green pasture. Uh, Water is scarce. It's very dry and it doesn't rain. We're trying to feed the sheep and herd the sheep and care for the sheep. And now, all of a sudden, in a rough, rocky terrain, there's a green pasture. That's what God is saying in Psalm 23 He's going to care for you, and He's going to care for you physically. The sooner in life I learn that, the better I'm going to be. God cares for me. He cares for me physically. He's going to provide the green pastures. Now this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6. And I'd like to turn to that New Testament passage and read it for you because it's meant so much to me and I hope it'll mean a lot to you. The sooner we learn this, the better off our lives are going to be. In Matthew chapter 6 wonderful portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I'm reading from the scripture now. It comes from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now I'm in verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not clothe you, O you, of little faith? And I rather suspect that that's our problem. Our problem is a lack of faith. We think it all depends upon us. When really the Bible writer is saying, God cares for you. And there is no need for you to be worried about these particular matters. Now whenever I get on this particular point, I always think about the need to be concerned. There's a difference. It's good to be concerned about things. It's bad to worry. It shows a lack of faith. It's like the treadmill. It gets us all worked up. But we don't get anywhere. We don't solve any problems. Worry does not benefit. In fact, I'd go so far as to say... That worry causes us to be involved in sin. To be concerned, yes yeah, about the problem, be concerned about the difficulty. Do what you can do with regard to the matter in resolving the matter and take personal responsibility in the matter. But at the same time, do not worry. And if I could help you in any possible way as you begin to go through this stage of life and advance into another one. Do not worry. Closely related to this point is this matter, I think, of the mental care that God has for us. He cares about us mentally. As you think about uh, the green pastures and the still waters that he speaks so poetically about in, in Psalm 23. He's telling us that the sheep in a very dry, arid land, what a blessing it is to be able to go to still waters and let them drink. Now... I'm told, and I do not know, that sheep will not drink out of a running water, running stream, a rapid river, that sort of thing. What they really want is a quiet water, a still water, with which to go up to and to drink and nourish themselves. And that's the kind of water that he references for us here in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures, the physical care that God has for my life. He leads me beside still waters. Still waters. Not the rough, tempestuous type of water, but God leads me to still waters, which led me to think about how God cares for my heart and God cares for my mind. Now, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. And in Philippians chapter, I guess it's 4 that I have in mind. Philippians chapter 4 in my view, is one of the greatest passages in the Bible with regard to Christian living and good mental health that we have. I love Romans chapter 12, as you know, but I think Philippians chapter 4 focuses on the mind more than 12. Romans 12 talks about our conduct more, and it talks about attitude, of course. But Philippians chapter 4 is really focusing on the kind of heart I should have and the kind of mind that I should have. It's okay to trust God. And when you put your trust in God, He's going to guard your heart and He's going to guard your mind. And how important is that? So let's study just for a moment one of the great passages of all the Bible. Beginning in verse 4 of chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Now when he doubles the term like that, and he doubles the phrase, he's doing that for emphasis. I want you to be happy. You be happy in accordance with God's divine will for your life, and you will be happy. Paul, within the confines of a Roman prison, is telling people at Philippi, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where he is in Rome, Be happy. I want you to be happy. Rejoice in the Lord, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, some translations will say moderation, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. In other words, others will see. Let them see the contentment of the heart and the mind that you have. And you have that contentment of heart and contentment of mind because God gave it to you. You followed God's Word and you put your trust in Him. And it's okay to trust God and depend upon Him. Now, I've asked a number of preachers, I've asked a number of students who want to be preachers, the last phrase in this verse 5. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? What does he mean in that passage? And I get all kinds of answers. But let me tell you what he's saying there. I'm in Philippians chapter 4. And I'm looking at the last phrase in chapter 4, verse 4. And he means God is near you. God is providing for you. God is caring for you. And within the context of this passage, he's saying he's caring for you mentally. He wants to care for you. Follow his divine. His divine teaching, therefore he says, do not be anxious about anything, verse 6, don't worry, he's near, he cares for you, he cares for you physically, he cares for you mentally, trust and okay, for there's no other way. Now I'm not going to stop here, I'm going to keep reading. Because I want to know more about this. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's where the help comes from. In everything, you're going to pray. And you're going to be thankful. And you're going to ask God for His help. There's a very important word used in the New Testament. Supplication, a different word. Praying for specific items of life. Praying for the certain things that I need. And notice the result in verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A lot of times I'll ask people to, and I'll say, go through Philippians chapter 4 and pick out and count every time he uses the phrase in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Him, in Jesus. Pick out every time he says that in the fourth chapter. He's emphasizing, God's going to take care of you. But it's in Christ. It's because you're a child of God and you're following Him. Now I don't know how... I'm going to say it again. I do not know how many times people have come into my office with this problem and that problem and that problem over there. And I don't encourage that because I'm not a very good counselor. I'm just not a good one. There's some men who are just so good at that. Elders here are very good counselors. Go to the elders. They're good counselors. I'm not a good counselor. But I don't know how many times people would come to me with a problem, and I said, the only way I can help you, read verse 8. And I want you to write Philippians 4, 8 down. And I want you to read it every single day. Tomorrow, read it again. And the day after that, read it again. Today, I'm going to read it for you. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, now, that's just a Bible way of saying, let's get real here. Whatever's true, don't deceive yourself. Don't try to deceive. Don't deceive yourself into thinking you're somebody else. Let's get real. Let's be true. Whatever is honorable, respectable, that which is honorable, and we understand that. Whatever is just, to be whatever is just means whatever is right. Whatever is pure, this is holy, this is godly living, this is purity. Whatever is lovely, the beautiful aspects about life. Whatever is commendable commendable is respectable Whatever's respectable in this regard if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise a rhetorical type of question which we know that there is and then comes the issue think about these things you see what God's doing for me he's caring for me mentally he lays out that still water for me to go to and to drink from if I had some advice That's the advice I'd give. I'd give what the Bible says about good mental health. Whatever these things. things. Because God cares for your heart and for your mind. Trust and okay. For there's no other way. Now it goes without saying, God cares for me spiritually and I think that's the point he's making out of our psalm today part of it at least when you turn to that particular passage of scripture you soon see that he's talking about the physical needs he's talking about the mental needs that God's going to satisfy he's also talking about the spiritual needs and it really comes up in in verse 23 and as I turn back to that passage he tells us uh, uh, in the matter and I'm Getting my way over there to it. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. Now let this sink in for a moment. He restores my soul. He's concerned about me spiritually. Life is going to be difficult. And I need him. I I need to depend upon him. And without him, I really am not going to be successful in life. Now, I'm told that I don't know these things. I have to read them in other books by people who do know. But when you have these sheep, especially in ancient times, they would be so top-heavy with the wool that they were carrying around, they'd actually collapse, they'd actually fall over. And that they'd have to shear the sheep and cut the wool, collect the wool, and they would sell the wool and use it. And sometimes the sheep would be so burdened down they'd just fall over. And a shepherd have to look out for that. Shepherd have to look out and see if he's got a lamb, one of the sheep, uh, falling down like that. Pick the lamb up, pick the sheep up, and help them back on their feet. Boy, I need that. Because there's some times in life I really get knocked down. And I need God to help pick me back up because the burden seems to be so heavy and things seem to be so difficult. I need some help here, Lord. Restore my soul. And God is concerned about me, spiritually speaking. And He picks me back up. That's the point of Isaiah 53, one of my passages that I truly love. Isaiah 53, the Lord's going to be there for you and the Lord's going to pick you up The Lord is there for your spiritual needs. He's going to restore your soul. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you the ability when you fall down and all the props are knocked out from underneath you when you least expected it. The Lord restores my soul. Beneath me are the green pastures. Beside me the still waters. Before me is that table that God has prepared for me. Behind me is goodness and his mercy. Beyond me a place prepared in his home. The little boy was quoting Psalm 23. The little boy said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. And even though he misquoted it, he got it right. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. He's all I want physically, mentally, spiritually. Every aspect about me, God supplies. There's a second don't passage in Psalm 23 that I mentioned, verse 4. Psalm 23, verse 1, I shall not want. There'll be nothing lacking because God will provide it if and when I turn to him. But then I will not fear because of what God does for me. Verse 4, even though I walk, I will fear no evil. There's a second negative statement. But it has a positive concept about it. I will fear no evil. And there are reasons given to us as to why we should not fear any evil. As you know, I was able to preach out in California for a number of years. I enjoyed living in California. And I enjoyed visiting some places out there that I've always wanted to visit. And it was hard because there's so many people. It's hard to get around but Carol and I would take some special time off. We'd go visit this and visit that. And one of the places I wanted to visit, I didn't get a chance to visit. That's Death Valley. I always wanted to go to Death Valley. I time it just right. You have to go in January, February. Otherwise, a so hot, you can't stand it. And so everybody goes to Death Valley in January, February. I preached all around it. I've been here and there. And I preached in a place one time, Bullhead City, Arizona. Man, it was so hot in that gospel meeting, and I preached in this place out in the desert and that place out in the desert, and I always wanted to go to Death Valley and was never able really to get there. Do you know in Death Valley in 1913, it was 134 degrees in 1913, and that was before global warming, 1913. It was 134 degrees, hottest recorded temperature the United States has ever had, and it was a place called Furnace Creek, California. In Death Valley. The reason I always wanted to be because of Ronald Reagan had that TV series years ago, Death Valley Days. And as a kid, I'd watch black and white television, The Death Valley Days with Ronald Reagan, and how the pioneers would go and 20 mule team borax. You probably don't understand any of that, and you don't remember any of that, but it was just something that I saw as a kid growing up out in the west and here I'm living not too terribly far from Death Valley I need to go to Death Valley but I never did get a chance to go there I think of Death Valley when I read verse 4 even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death now what he's talking about there is a dark place where death resides And obviously it's a trepidation. One which I really do not want to have to go through. But I know that I will. But even if I do, I know this. I'll not fear, even though I go through problems of life and even death itself. I'm not going to be afraid because he's aware of me. He knows what I am going through. And I think what really caused me to focus on that is when I read those personal pronouns. As you know, he shifts from verses 1 through 3. A shift takes place in verse 4, and that becomes very personal. Now he says in verse 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head, when My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the idea and the concept begins to shift by verse 4, and it becomes very personal. And he's saying, even though I walk through this very narrow, treacherous kind of place, I'm not going to be afraid, because he's aware of me, and he knows me, and he understands me. John 10 and 14, I'm the good shepherd, Jesus said. And know my sheep and am known of mine. They know me. It's a very deliberate change in the matter because now he's talking about the fact that he's not only aware, but he's also there. He's there for me in these difficult times. He describes God in specific terms. It's not some kind of abstract thing here, some kind of theoretical type of issue. It's very practical and, and and very straightforward. You care for me. There's no reason for me to fear, though the calamity may be out there, and it may feel like I'm going through death valley here, but there's no reason for me to fear because you are with me. You're there. And notice what is there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The European model, and this is more of a modern kind of shepherd staff, where you had the crook in the staff, and you had the stick and the crook at the top, and the idea was to take the staff and bring the, the sheep back. But a Mediterranean, that, that would not be part of the ancient Mediterranean world. That's more of a modern European approach to a staff. The ancient shepherd had more of a straight rod as a staff. It's bigger on one end than it was on the smaller end. And he was able... To defend the sheep, he would practice at using the staff as a javelin. And he'd take that staff and he'd hurl it at the predator or whatever enemy might be coming. And he would protect the sheep by means of the staff. Or he would take the little end of the staff, turn it around, and he would bring the little lamb, back to his mother and try to coach the lambs to be together in the right way. One end of the staff was a protective means. Another end of the staff was a means of comfort and bringing together. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You use, you're there for me. And there's no reason for me to fear. Because of the wonderful way, you help me. You are there for me. But I suppose the wonderful from this passage of scripture is that he cares for me in such a wonderful way he's there and he cares where would we be without the love of God in our lives the thing that helps me remember this is Hebrews chapter 13 and I'll make reference of it to you and I hope you'll mark it in your Bible Because it really does help me remember that God is my creator and God cares for me. He provides and he cares. And this Hebrew writer brought this idea up in Hebrews chapter 13, particularly verse 5. Life free from love of money. This is a wonderful context and it deserves consideration. And be content with what you have. For he said, and here's why I thought of this. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? So we can come. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I wish when I was your age somebody had come along and told me that. I wish when I was your age someone would come along and have told me about Philippians 4 and what it would mean to me about my heart and about my mind and how God would care for me through difficult times. And there will be difficult times for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I read the story as a fanciful story one time about a mouse who was afraid of the cat and so Merlin the magician gave him the heart of a dog turned him into a dog but then the heart, the dog he was afraid of the lion and the tiger so he went back to Merlin, and Merlin, according to this little fancy story, there's no nothing true about it, of course, but turned him back to a mouse. He said, "Why'd you turn me back to a mouse?" He says, "That's all, That's as big a heart as you've got. You don't have the heart of a dog. You don't have the heart of a lion. All you got is a mouse's heart. Is that all the heart we got?" the heart of a mouse? When God says, do not fear, do we fear? When God says, do not worry about the problems of life, and the vicissitudes of life, do we worry? I'm afraid that we do. If I were to ask you, Psalm 23, just one verse that you remember, what would be the one verse that comes to your mind about Psalm 23? Psalm 23. You're probably like me. Shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. That'd be the verse I'd remember. Why don't we remember the last verse? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why don't we remember that verse? For when we trust in God it's okay and goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and one great day I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever this writer is probably thinking about the tabernacle or perhaps later the earthly temple of Solomon but when he says this in Psalm 23 6 I'm thinking about heaven one great day I'm in that house forever, John 14, 1 through 4. When I trust in God, it's okay. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and okay. When God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. When he tells me to repent of my sins, I'm going to repent. And when I realize... That we I'm going to change my way. When He tells me to confess his, my faith in Him, I'm going to do that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And He tells me to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Mark 16, 15, 16. When Jesus says do it, I'm going to do it. Trust and okay, for there's no other way. If I had a message for seniors, I believe I'd talk about Psalm 23. And how God cares for us and loves us. How that there's no reason for worry. And there's no reason for fear. If you've never obedient to the Lord, I encourage you to do that now. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.